Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to awaken to the truth of your soul? Welcome to today's episode of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show with your host, Nadia Khalil. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to today's show. Today is Monday, June 10th. It's 5.30 in the morning in L.A. in I remember last week waking up late and thinking, oh, my God, but it's 5.30, and I'm wide awake and ready to go. And today's show, I guess we have to do one of these once in a while about Origins of Truth, the book, about why these things were said to me, how they were said to me. And it was so cool because this morning, When I woke up, somebody had left a comment on the radio show that said, all relative truth, in quotes, non-truth, heart, and an eye. To see Christ is the impossible. Christ is not Jesus, image, last name. And I, I love when people say that. I actually loved the comment because... It shows me so many different realities that we can choose to live in. And whatever reality we choose to live in, we can. No one can tell us different. If we think the world is hard and everybody's against us and we're going to feel despair and all this stuff, we can live in that. Even if we can say it's happening. It's happening here, and it's happening there, and it's happening everywhere. Then we have to ask ourselves a few questions at that point. But every single reality we live in is the reality we have chosen in so many ways. And it's hard to see it. I mean, there are times when I would just like, scream out to God, like, really? This is just too weird, too much, too hard. A lot of too much is too hard coming in there. And I really thought about, well, a lot of people told me, how could you have seen Christ? No way, that's impossible. But the only thing that made it possible for me to look at that and say, oh, wow, that's sad that you don't believe that there is this whole, not just reality, but knowing, because it's something I actually saw. Had I not seen it, there could be no way. And had I not seen Christ, there could be no way I could know all of this. It was teaching me as I was writing it. It was healing me as I was writing it, even when I didn't understand the depth of what I was writing. So it's, it's such a beautiful conversation to just challenge and ask and say things. And, you know, when things are really, really off, you got to say, okay, I can't even argue that point because that's so far from what I believe. I'm just going to be engaging in a, a brain massage or something. But I just, there's some things that you just can't. But for the most part, 
you know, when someone really just doesn't believe, I'm always curious to say what drives you. Because let's say I didn't see Christ. I still was a lot of the same person you're meeting today and you know today. I just didn't know as much. But the people pleaser in me, the wanting to enjoy life, laughing hard, all of that was part of my life prior. I had made decisions during my divorce not to hurt my ex and not to do this and not to do that. And and all that happened before I saw Christ. So when I saw Christ, it was it took me further. It started answering the questions I was constantly asking God of. And I love everyone's questions. Like the first question, why are you saying God is not a person? Asks Christopher Cedric. Because God is not a person. We are people. I heard, I never read that we are, we are in God's image. I don't know who wrote that and how they wrote it. But if God was a person, what I saw, I didn't get to the eyes, the nose, the mouth, the arms, or the legs. It, it was truly a huge wall of light. From what I saw, it wasn't anybody sitting in a chair. It wasn't um, like a king or, you know, something like we would see in a movie. Um, it wasn't like just a sound coming from the sky. It was, he was truly a, a wall. It was like pure intellect. I know I've said that before, but it was definitely a knowing that wasn't at all questioned or thought of as, wow, that's what you look like. It was more just you knew where you were. So if he was a huge person and all I saw was part of him, but all I saw was a wall of of light and knowing. And knowing because, you know, right there and then you just, you know. So I I don't know what else to say about it other than that's all I saw. So I don't have a description bigger than a wall of light, but it was huge. It was like an all-encompassing wall. You almost felt like it wrapped around you, but it was, I could only see it in front of me because I didn't see behind me, but. I just knew what that was. And I did have a perception of who I was in front of that wall of light. And I didn't have a body either. So, you know, think about that. When we leave our bodies, we leave our bodies here. But I myself did not have a body. So wherever that was written about in his image, We're only people on earth. We're not people at home. We don't have bodies at home ourselves. So when I saw God, I didn't think that, oh, my gosh, he doesn't have eyes, nose, a mouth, and ears like we do. 
but neither did I. And I actually didn't even think of that until now. Because when I was there, I was, I looked, the souls, our souls look like, I, the only way I could describe it was almost like an S shape, almost like a seahorse shape. Like, that's all I remember of my soul. But I knew it was me. I knew it was me. I was very clear about who I was and who God was. Very clear. That's why I keep saying it was a knowing. But not only did God not look like a person, but in truth, and thank God you asked that question because I would have never thought about even myself, but I didn't go show up the way I look here. I didn't. So interesting. But that's all I know. I, I don't know what else to add to that or to create around it. It just, that's all I saw. Then we have a question about suicide. Asks Maria. Dulce. Suicides come back, right? Suicides come back. They're automatic comebacks, not because God forces them to come back. It's because when we go home and we realize that we didn't finish what we did, we want to come back and finish what we did. We are not like here and full of despair and wondering why things are bad. And I just got a long um I want to say inbox today about somebody who's very, very upset about their life and the people in their lives and why the people in their lives are in their lives and why they're not included and why nobody, they don't get along with the people around them and all they want to do is get along and help. And and I can just say openly and honestly, you need Time alone. You need to assess what you're doing in your own life because nobody around us can give us quality of life if we ourselves don't reel ourselves back in and define what we want, who we are, why we are attracted to the kinds of people that don't get close to us, that don't have our back. Why do we, in some ways, not have our backs? Are we desperate for that interaction? But more so, even, is what do we do once we're in relationships that might push people away that we want to be close to? And that's where the honesty comes in, and that's where the hard questions come in. But there's times, you know, where I've gone back and asked, you know, is there something I have done? Because I want to know. Because I want to know. But to get back to Maria's question, because I'm going to go back to Christopher's because he writes some more questions in there. But she says, please, if there is time, I have a question about suicide. We know now when a soul commits suicide, they break the contract and then they come back right away, straight away, to go through the same challenges they have chosen before being born. What about when they are committing suicide in a slow way, like an addiction, like alcohol, drugs, or just not being taken care of themselves enough? 
there's intentional suicides where you are going to kill yourself. Sometimes we do it because we're so upset with the people around us that we want to hurt them. See, look what you made me do. Look at how bad you are. We kind of want to leave them with a burden. Oh, when they find me, they'll know I was serious. And we go into this whole internal conversation of how everyone's going to feel bad when they find us. Then we have the person who feels really bad and just can't handle life anymore. And they take their life away from their own life. And then we have the drugs. Because what did Christ say? That is, in, in essence, a slow suicide, but it's not the same kind of suicide. What they're doing is they're tempting fate. They're tempting life. They're trying to escape life without escaping their bodies. Because when you take, you have a sterile environment, which is your body, and you take something and you put it in it that takes the dynamics of your body and changes them. It changes them. Not the same. You don't think the same. Your conscience is now compromised and you can't stop yourself from maybe doing things that you normally would stop yourself from doing. And some of those things could be hurting yourself or hurting others. And then there's where uh, Christopher Sedre writes, what about when people participate in a war? Is that also suicide? So suicide is only when you intentionally kill yourself. You know you're going to kill yourself and you actually remove your soul from your body. You don't think of it that way. But that's what you're doing, is you're releasing your soul. And the only way to do it is to stop the body from functioning. When we take drugs or alcohol or any of those things, those are teachers. When we go to war, that's a teacher. So when, when Maria writes, you know, is it intentional or not, is what counts. And then Chris writes, well, life is sacred. Well, yeah, it is sacred. But when we kill ourselves, when we commit suicide, we do come back. Because it's the learning. Think about how big God is. When you stop your own learning, when you take drugs, you're learning something. If you survive the drugs, you learn that, Taking drugs may not be what you want to do, and you recover. There's chances of rejuvenating, of coming back, of growing past. But when we kill ourselves, we don't have a second chance. You can only do that once. I remember the young man that came. He was American, but he was in Thailand, and his girlfriend broke up with him, and he came back, and everybody was like, oh, that's the man who tried to kill himself, and everyone's feeling sorry for him. And I thought, I don't feel sorry for anyone who tries to kill themselves, not even myself. I'm like, well, why couldn't you fight that? I say it to myself. Why can't I fight that? You know, when you're younger and your parents are mad at you and you think, ah, no, getting past it 
It's huge. Because then you realize, what was that really an answer? But if you actually do it, you can't come back and assess. You can't grow. And because you stop growing, you come back to continue growing. It's all about the learning. It's not like the way we look at it. Like, oh, they killed themselves. The way I look at it is, oh, they went back to God. It's like you go back home and the only way to do it, there is no ticket to back home other than to leave your body. Seeing Christ made me look at things very, very differently. Drugs, alcohol, all of that are learning trees. Right now in our world, a lot of people who can't kill themselves and have great despair. I see it a lot in L.A. I don't know what other cities are like. I don't hear their local news. But before they do die, they want to take people with them because their anger, their pain is so great that they want to hurt other people. All that comes from isolation. And then they have the police kill them. They call it suicide by cops got a name because it's hard to kill yourself and the people who do it really really feel bad and and the thing I feel worst about when that happens to a soul is that I do wish that they did get help I do wish that they spoke to someone prior because what someone can say to you can really turn things around. They can really turn things around for you. On Saturday, I spoke at USC to a group of kids. I was part of a panel. And two of the girls came to me afterwards. And these are, you know, high school kids. They haven't graduated from high school yet. And one of them works on a suicide hotline. And she said to me, you know, what could be something I can say to somebody who really wants to leave? And the first thing I said was, if they called you, they really don't want to leave, but they don't know why they should stay. And we have to start with how worth it their life is. Their life is worth it. It's just that we don't hear that from people around us. So we call strangers on suicide hotlines for help and they know how to help us. There is help out there to help you get through that eye of the needle. But it all goes back to learning. Everything we do goes back to learning. How we define what's suicide and what isn't. Basically, we all do know what suicide is. If somebody takes their life and it's done, we can split hairs and say, well, what about wars? Well, what about drugs? Well, what about... Those are all learning experiences. They may result in death. But they're all learning experiences. And really that final inside knowing that if you did something to kill yourself, even if it may look like an accident to others, 
your soul will know and your soul will make that, I want to say, the, the reaction to your decisions. And then you would come back and, and relive the same issues, but hopefully go through them the second time around or the third time around. It's not as like obscure as you would think, but you actually have to be born again and start all over. And I know that sounds so long and tedious because we're here, but in essence, the time factor isn't the same from home to here. Because here, time slows things down so we can learn. It all goes back to learning. So I hope that answered your question. Um, the questions that Christopher Sedre had about Nadia, you say God is absolute, that there is. There is no other God but God, no other source of reality but God. If God speaks to people and he loves people, animals and plants, etc., why are you saying God is not a person? If God is absolute in spirit and matter, both expressive of God, what would what would it be that the spirit of God is present? He is a spirit. He's a, a power. He's in an intellect. But I say he's absolute. I don't, I never said there's no other God but God in that way. I just know that all I saw was God. I don't know if there's no other God I'm in, the, in the universe, but I do know all I saw was God. I didn't see any other entities. I didn't see any hierarchies. I didn't see anything better than our souls to God. I didn't see, all I saw was God, our souls. Even Christ, soul, he's a soul. He's an angel of love. Follies. That's all he knows. It's interesting how specific and how everything makes sense. But when, when things start getting to where we're splitting hairs, I'm very clear, very clear in getting better at expressing it over time, getting way better at expressing it. It's the absoluteness of God is just that it's your intellect. It's like you just know everything. We're not meant to know everything here. We're meant to learn. We learn things at home, but it's different because we start choosing where we want to go and learn and take care of and do. But here we are questioning whether there is a God or not. That absoluteness that I felt when I saw Christ or when I was in front of God isn't, if it belongs here, we wouldn't, we would, this would be too easy. Let me put it that way. And we're here to learn. We're here to get to love through free will. We're here to understand energy. And the funniest part to me about understanding energy is it's the one thing no one talks about and when someone does talk about it, they're like, oh, wow, they're from woo-woo or whatever. And I'm like, oh, nope, not woo-woo. I'm not woo-woo at all. But there's something about energy. And there's an energy exchange. And when you exchange it with your thoughts of God and thinking how big love can be, you pull yourself into so much growth. And you start to see how things are working. And then you become of service because the fact that you can see that, you know where you're taking people. You know what you're showing them. 
So why am I saying God is not a person? Because he's not. <laughs> he sure didn't look like one. The spirit of God is pure love. That is why when we cry from happiness or we see somebody do something beautiful, like sing beautifully or help somebody, we can cry like that because we are hardwired, and I can't say that enough, or completely connected to the truth. And we all know it when we see it, and we feel weird when we don't, and then we try to find the truth. We're like investigative reporters. Where is the truth in this? Because we nibble at a small piece of truth, and then we want to know more truth and more truth and more truth. When the book came out, we didn't know what to name it. And I was coming out with all these names, sheets and sheets of names, asking people, what do you think of this name? And, and I just went on and on for days and months. And then one day I sat down and after I did all of that searching, but nothing felt right. And then one day I'm writing and Christ said, the name of the book is Origins of Truth. And I'm like, origins of truth? That sounds so not cool. Like, just so plain, origins of truth. But you know what happened to me? I knew it was true. That everything he wrote in that book was the origin of truth. Whether I liked it or not, that was the truth. I wanted some like I'm a marketing major. I wanted something. I, I don't know what I thought cool was. I can't even remember. I may find the sheets of me doing that. But I have to tell you, that name did not leave me. I kept going, oh, wow, that, that's the name. But I had to settle with it. It was like when I was pregnant and I thought for sure I was having a boy. And when I had my ultrasound and they told me I was having a girl, it took me an entire week to adjust my thinking from how sure it was I was to it being a boy to me finding out it was a girl. I adjusted, I accepted, I grew. That's what happened with the name of the book. And now I can't imagine how it could have been any other name. Because Christ was light years ahead of me. So there is an energy. There is a power. There is an intellect. There is a spirit. There is whatever we want to call it. There is a greater knowing. And we all strive when we are in there. We all strive when we, we know when we're there. There isn't like a booklet. We feel it, and our feelings know. And we know when we're not there. We know when something's wrong. It's like our antennas go up trying to figure out what, what's, what's going on. Let me make sense of what's happening around me. Maureen Cook asks, why does God say our? Why does God say our? 
I remember in the beginning when Christ kept saying, we, we, we. And I'm like, who's the we? But everybody. Everybody is included. There is no soul left behind. When we say our, every single person is included. When we say we, every single person is included. There is nobody on the face of this earth to God that is not included. I am going to do a part two on this show tomorrow. I just got my 90-second spiel in my ear. But we're going to do a part two because there's a lot to be said. But the hours and the we's, I remember somebody saying, well, who's we? And like them arguing on my page at the very beginning when I would say we, because it sounded like I was the one saying we. But Christ speaks in we, in our, in us. Because we are together. Whether we see it that way or not, that is how it is seen. So we will continue this conversation tomorrow. Have a great Monday, a great start to the week. There is a bigger picture. Know you can live in it. And we'll talk about that more tomorrow. I love you guys. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. You have been listening to today's Daily Dose of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show. To learn more, visit www.nadiakhalil.com.